I'm going to start with some prayer. If you can hear me, I think that's a good, good place to start. So uh, let's just pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I come before you today and just, Lord, humbly bow. You are the sovereign authority over all things, Lord, and you're sovereign over every detail of this world, Lord. There is not one single thing that is outside of your control. Um, Lord, we just praise you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Lord, I just pray today that you quiet all of our hearts, Lord. Quiet all of our spirits and may we just humbly bow before your throne. May we be still and know that you are God. May we acknowledge that you are the one and only victorious one. We have victory through you and you alone, Lord. It is not in our own strength. It is not in our own striving. It's not in our own efforts, Lord. Um, but it is through you and you alone that we have victory. It is through you and you alone that we have eternal life. And I just praise you and honor you, Lord. I pray that you be with me today, Lord, as I speak. May this not be my ideas or my clever little sayings, Lord, but may it just be true to your word. Um pray that you prevent me from speaking error, Lord. May I just be true and honoring to your word and to who you are, Lord. And just be with all of us together as we read your perfect, holy, inerrant, inspired word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm excited. I've uh, probably read this psalm literally like 35 different times, um, just trying to really get a good grasp on what it's telling us. Um, a great reminder that God is in control of all things, and when we face persecution, when we face whatever it is, He is there with us, even when it doesn't feel like it. Um, I hesitated doing this because it's super corny, but let's tell you a little jokey joke. Before you cringe, just hear me out. It's either going to be awkward or it's going to be funny. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. It, uh, starts out like this. There's a kid and a mom. They're in the kitchen. The mom needs the broom on the back porch. It's dark outside, and the kid's scared of the dark. <laughs> this is so lame. And, <laughs> and he, uh, the mom asks the son, hey, son, go outside and get the broom. I need it. And he's like, mom, it's dark outside. I'm not going out there. She's like, don't be afraid. God, or Jesus is out there. And so the kid goes to the back door. He peeks his head out the door, and he said, Jesus, if you're out there, can you bring the broom inside, please? <laughs> that was a sympathy laugh. That was not that funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just really excited for this message today because I just love, it's like, I just love scriptures that are just black and white. Like, you don't need to do exegetical gymnastics to understand what this passage is saying. It's pretty straightforward. In the very first line, read it with me. It's Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. It's a very important word. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. 
The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations, and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Start this timer. That'd be weird. Jackson told me. Uh, <laughs> he said, Mr. Kyle, just keep it under 43 minutes, and you should be okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, buddy, thanks. <laughs> All right, so... The year was 1527 in Germany, and if you know anything about the Reformation, you know who Martin Luther is. Tommy's talked about him a few times. Um, There was a plague approaching. There was just a lot of craziness going on in the church and in the country itself. There was fear in the hearts of the people, and there was one guy, however, in the midst of all that, he found refuge, and he wrote the hymn, A mighty fortress is our God. Pretty popular one. I mean, like I said, if you know anything about the Reformation, you know that hymn. If you go to Reformation Bible College, you definitely know the hymn. Um, It's just a great, powerful hymn. I actually have it here. I did not rip this out of a hymnal. My kids did, (laughs) believe it or not. Clearly, they are one of the elect. They ripped out, you know, a mighty fortress is our God. Anyway, I'm going to read a verse of it for you. It's verse 3, and it says, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Amen. Doesn't that just get you fired up? Man, that is good stuff. So I want to ask you today, where do you find refuge? When things get crazy, when things get scary, when things get out of control, where do you find refuge? Where do you find peace? Where do you find comfort? Where do you find stability? You know, that hymn became known as the hymn of the Reformation. Many men who went to go and be martyred for their faith would sing that hymn. That is just a peace that only God can bring. What do we do in times like that? What do we do when we're scared, when we're afraid? You know, animals, when they're afraid, they'll often run to a spot where they feel safe, whether it's under a rock, in a tree, a hole in the ground, whatever it is. I know I'm scared of the dark, okay? amongst other things. <laughs> when I take the trash out at night, um, I keep my trash can at the end of the road or at the end of the driveway. When I take it out at night, I turn around, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not walking. I'm running back to the door, okay? <laughs> like something's chasing me. And I'm not running this way or that way. I'm running straight back to my safe space, straight back to my house. And in the military, when there's all of a sudden 
in ambush or heavy fire, what is the, you know, one of the one things that they yell? They yell, take cover. When a little girl or a little boy is scared, what do they usually cry for? They cry for mommy and daddy. They, you know, they want their refuge. They want their safe space. And we all have a refuge, whether we realize it or not. We all have something that we run to or something that we can fall back on that makes us feel safe when things get crazy and they get out of control. We look for something that is stable, something that can give us that assurance. But what do you do when that isn't there? Can that refuge always be trusted or relied on? So to kind of set the stage for the psalm that we just read, Psalm 46, it's, we're not 100% sure of the exact historical context, but there's clearly some sort of invasion on the people of God. There's some sort of foreign army that wants to take them over. Their world is essentially flipped upside down. They're scared, they're broken, they're they don't, not quite sure what to do, but they sing this psalm as a psalm of hope and refuge. And it's broken into three verses that end with that very important word, Selah. Verses 1 through 3 show us that God is constant. And we can see in these verses the, the reason why we should not fear in times of uncertainty. We see in verse 1 that God is our refuge and strength. And notice that it says God is. It does not say God and Kyle. It does not say God in our efforts. It does not say God in our ideas. But God and God alone is our refuge and strength. He is the one that we can run to when things get crazy. We know that the people singing this psalm, their world is just falling apart, says the earth is giving way underneath them. But God is their very present help and strength. And perhaps we can look back at a time in our lives when maybe you got bad news, maybe you lost your job or whatever it was. You lost your house, you lost your finances, maybe you just lost everything and it seems like the very ground beneath you has just given way. And the fact is that Obviously, we all know that we're not exempt from suffering, right? We could spend a month of Sundays talking to each other about our sufferings in our life. We know that once we become a Christian, our problems don't go away. It's as if we get just a whole new set of problems, right? It's like we get a target on our back from the enemy. We do not, as this world puts it, we do not live our best life Now, if this is our best life now, (laughs) I mean, there's not much to look forward to after that, is it? This life gets hard. We are promised, however, that we will have an eternity that is free from this pain and free from this suffering, free from death, free from sickness, free from, from sorrow, whatever it is. But for right now, as 1 Peter tells us, we can have hope in Christ right now, though for a little while, if necessary, we will endure hardships, trials of various kinds. We have all felt like 
what this psalm is talking about. The very ground beneath us is just giving way. And, you know, we never really think about that, do we? The, the solid ground that we're standing on or sitting on or whatever, we never, we're never just standing there and thinking about it just disappearing beneath us. We put a lot of faith in the ground that we walk on. Think of an earthquake. I don't know if you've ever been in an earthquake, but it's, it's, it's in the name. The earth is quaking. The earth is shaking all around you. Where are you going to run during an earthquake? Are you going to run inside where the building could fall on you? Are you going to run outside where a hole could open up and swallow you? Like, where are you going to run to? You need something that is not affected by the earthquake to save you, to make you feel safe. You need something that's not shaking like crazy. There was a man in Florida. He went to bed one night. Probably didn't think anything about it. And then a sinkhole opened up, swallowed him, and he died. So we can't even trust the ground beneath our house, apparently. And that may have just unlocked a whole new set of fears for some of you. I'm sorry, but... (laughs) In all seriousness, I want to ask you, what are you putting your faith and your hope in? What is your refuge and who is your refuge? I, uh, for those who know me, know I do screens for a living which requires me to get on ladders and, and walk boards or scaffolding or whatever. And I'm scared of heights, so I'm in the perfect job, I guess. But what's scary about heights to me is if I go up an extension ladder, obviously I'm not a skinny guy. Once you get a 40-foot extension ladder stretched out and you get to the middle, that thing is rocking back and forth and shaking. And this thing that I'm putting my hope and my trust in to go up, is shaking beneath me, and I'm terrified. I need some sort of stability, and what helps me is if I hold on to the wall or hold on to something that's not shaking, right? And I think that's, you know, that's the idea in our lives. And the Psalms, it tells us that God is unaffected by the falling world around us. He is a constant despite the mountains being moved into the sea And despite the earth giving way, he will not crumble with the world. And he will not crumble with us either. He remains our stronghold. He remains our fortress. He remains our place of protection. He will uphold us and he will sustain us. You know, we can read through the whole book of Job and see that God is sovereign over our suffering. In fact, our suffering is only going to go on for as long as God says. The devil will only attack us this far and no further. God is sovereign over these things. It may feel like God is not in control. It may feel like the world beneath us is giving way But there's one thing I want you to remember, and there's one thing I have to remind myself every single day. The way we feel does not dictate the reality of God's sovereignty. 
He is sovereign over all things. And there won't be one pebble of the mountain being moved into the sea. There won't be one pebble that moves without God telling it to. There won't be one grain of sand moved on the earth without God commanding it to. Now this is a God that I want my refuge and my strength to be in. And it says that he is a very present help. He is, he is closer than close. And Spurgeon says that he is closer than the trial itself. And that's kind of hard to wrap our head around, but it says that he is constantly here with us. He is not a far-off help. He's not a far-off strength and refuge. He is present here and now. I mean, what good would it be if, if he was our stronghold and our refuge, but he was not there when we needed him, you know? Strength is good only if it's there when we need it, right? Psalm chapter 9, verse 9 says, The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. He is a stronghold in times of trouble. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And then Psalm chapter 91, verses 1 through 9 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence, and he will cover you with his pinions and under his wings, and you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by the day. Man, what hope and security in those verses. There's a quote from Spurgeon that says, Others vaunt their impregnable castles placed on inaccessible rocks and secured with gates of iron. But God is a far better refuge from distress than all of these. And when the time comes to carry the war into the enemy's territories, the Lord stands his people in better stead than all the valor of legions or boasted strength of chariot and horse. Soldiers of the cross, remember this and count yourselves safe and make yourselves strong in God. Hmm. It could be the most powerful army in the world, but they do not hold a match to our God. Therefore, in verse 2, so the reasoning we are not to fear is because God is our refuge. The God who is, is sovereign over the collapsing world and the collapsing mountains. The God who is sovereign over this devastating news you just received. The God who looked at a sinner dead in their sins and said, live. The God who can bring a dead, rotten corpse back to life with just a word. He is our refuge. Because of him being on our side, we, we have nothing to fear. I mean, it makes perfect logical sense, doesn't it? Why, why would we fear if the God sovereign over all things is on our side? 
Even when the very ground beneath us gives way, we do not have to fear because he is more constant than the ground beneath our feet. And at the end of verse 3, it says, Selah. That's a very important word. I mean, this is a song, Psalm 46. It's a song. Selah is like a musical break or it's like a Chris Hendricks guitar solo. You know, it's, it's a break in the song and, and we can't skip over this. It's not just a word that's just there for fun. It's a very important word and in the, midst of the, uh, uh, in the midst of the serious threat of invading armies on the people of God, they can pause and reflect. Spurgeon said, regarding this part of the psalm, regarding the word Selah, that perhaps they had a musical break here to calmly retune their harps and continue playing this song of praise. Man, that's awesome, isn't it? That is only a peace that God can bring. Things going off around you, the world collapsing, whatever it is, and for you to pause and reflect in the midst of that is only a peace that God can bring. And so the question I have for you is this. What causes you to fear in troubling times? We can beat around the bush all we want. We can sugarcoat things. We can make up excuses. But in reality, and this is true for me just as much as it's true for you, the reality of it is, is, we, is our lack of faith in how powerful and how mighty our God is. We think, well, maybe he doesn't see this certain detail. Maybe he doesn't you know, maybe he doesn't really know what he's doing up there, you know? That is why we fear in troubling times, because we forget just how powerful and just how mighty God is. And verses 4 through 7 tell us that he will sustain us. Let's read those again briefly. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High, God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So we can see that not only is God present with us, not only is he present with his people during this time, But there is a river that is flowing through the city of God that makes glad the people of God. So when an army is trying to invade a city, at least in this time, they would block the river because the river is is their water source. It's It's essentially their life source. And that would either, you know, make them die or it would make them weak enough to where it would be easier to invade them. But that's not the case for the people of God because God, Christ, is that very river. God is in the midst of his people. And I think what makes these verses so powerful is that Jerusalem doesn't have like a main river. It has little tiny streams going through it, but there's not like a main river. And these verses show us that God is, 
is that river for them. He is that life source for them. And the people are not glad because of their circumstances. I mean, who would be happy about an army invading them, right? The gladness comes from God himself, their refuge. God is present in the midst of his people. And one thing I want to point out here is that it's very important to notice this when it says, she shall not be moved. When I was studying this, it kind of blew my mind, you know, what is happening here. It says, she shall not be moved. And that word moved is the same word in verse 2 when it talks about the mountains being moved into the sea. In verse 5, it is telling us that the people of God will not be moved. So, it's essentially telling us that the people of God are more secure and they are more firm than the mountains and the ground that we stand on. Not because of our own might or our own power, but it's because of God sustaining us and giving us strength. He is our refuge. I mean, there's literally nothing that can touch us. Ultimately, this life does not hold the joy of all eternity. Obviously, we go through trials. There, there are times, I mean, you can read through the Old Testament. Obviously, God allowed certain armies to overtake his people and, and, you know, take them into exile to discipline them and to drive them towards repentance. But ultimately, our eternity is set and our eternity is secure in Christ. I mean, if our lives are taken away, if they harm our bodies, they take our lives so be it. This body's not that great anyway. If they kill us, so be it. I mean, in reality, think about, I was thinking about it this morning. We were dead in our sins, right? He breathed life into us and told us to live. So we're not dead anymore. So they can kill us, but in reality, we're not dead anymore. We have eternal life. Our dead selves were left at the foot of the cross. But we are living now, currently, in Christ. So, um, Luther said this. You know, there was a lot of things going on in Germany that were just super crazy. And when he wrote this, the hymn, Mighty Fortress is Our God, um, I read a quote. I don't know exactly what it says, but the substance is this. Let hell have its worst, because God is our refuge. And these verses, they also tell us that God will help us at just the right time. In verse 5, it tells us that God will help us in the morning. And the morning time, or like the early, early morning hours, is when an army would typically invade. I guess it was just the city's most vulnerable time. And it says that God will help his people when the morning dawns at the perfect time time. It doesn't say God might help. It doesn't say we're going to have to send a search committee to go find God and, and go ask him, hey, you think he could help us out? No, it says God will help his people. So let the nations rage against us because with just one word, the earth melts. And verse 7 is the chorus that we should sing every day. The Lord of hosts, the God of angel armies, is on our side. 
He is our fortress. We are in the best fortified, the strongest, whatever it is. We are in the best structure that we could possibly imagine. God himself is protecting us. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church, against his people. We cannot be ultimately overtaken. Though for a short time in this life, it might seem like we're being overtaken constantly. Ultimately, we have victory in our Savior. Not the biggest army in the world holds a match to our God. And that's what verses 8 through 11 kind of focus on. May we behold the mighty, mighty power of our God. I want to read those verses briefly. It says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes the wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. These verses show us that God is on our side. It shows us the mighty power that he has in just his words. It says, come and behold the works of the sovereign God. You know, these verses, they have a great significance in this chapter, and they're kind of hard to swallow at the same time. But they also give us tremendous, tremendous hope. So if you're sitting here today, you feel beaten down, you feel like, man, it sure doesn't feel like God's on my side. feels like your world has completely fallen beneath you. You're longing for refuge. You're longing for security. You're longing for hope. I urge you to fix your eyes on the Lord and His mighty power and be assured and be encouraged that He is more powerful and more capable than anything. He is, if He was more than capable to save you, he, will, he is way more capable to sustain you through these times as well. And these verses show us that God is not just idly sitting by, watching the world play out. He did not just, when he created everything, he did not just wind up a clock and set it down and leave it. He is very much involved, sovereignly controlling every single detail that goes on here, including wars. And I know that it's, I mean, at least for me, that kind of made me a little bit uncomfortable, you know? I mean, there's some crazy, crazy things that go on in wars. I mean, I believe 100% in the sovereignty of God. Like, there's no negotiating that. I believe he is 100% involved in it. But it's like, it doesn't make it easy to understand that he is even in control of the wars going on around us. But we must trust that God is in sovereign control over those things. And we may not understand it, but there's not a blind spot for God's sovereignty. You know, I watch a show, it's about prison, it's called 60 Days In. And I'm like, I could probably do that, you know. 
They go to prison for... I couldn't do that, by the way. They go to prison for 60 days to try to get intel for the wardens or whatever. And I mean, sometimes there's fights on the show. But most of the time, the inmates will find a blind spot in the cameras to go and duke it out, do whatever they got to do. And I mean, there's no, there's no blind spot for God. He sees everything. He's in control of everything. He is very much aware of what is going on around us. We must know that during war, there is not one drop of blood that is shed that God does not know about. There is not one spear that is thrown. There is not one bullet that is fired that God has not sovereignly ordained. And that's hard to swallow. It's hard to wrap our heads around that. But I want to ask you this. Would you not want him in control of that? Would you want him to just step back and say, you guys do what you got to do. I'll fix it later. It would be far worse if that was the case. But God is sovereignly controlling all of these things. Again, understanding the context of this psalm, God's people are under attack from foreign armies. They're surrounded. They feel as though their world is shaken, that they're being turned upside down. But God has once again sovereignly intervened and fought for his people bringing complete destruction to the enemy. And he is the one that is victorious. He is the one that brings victory. He has just with one word shattered the spear, broken the bow, and scorched the chariots with fire. And so the psalmist is telling us here in verse 8, Come, behold, and see how the sovereign God has laid waste to the enemy. For his glory and for his people. And then comes verse 10, the verse we've all been waiting for. This is, I call this the coffee mug verse because someone's probably got a coffee mug with this on there. Someone's probably got a shirt with this verse on there. Someone's probably, you know, sipping a latte in a coffee shop right now, reciting this verse, just, I'm just going to be still and know that he is God. I mean, it's, I'm not making fun of that, I guess I kind of was. But the implications here are, I mean, we all know, we all think, you know, we understand what the implications are here to kind of be still and just stop whatever you're doing and just know that he is God. And that's implied here, I believe. But that's not the whole picture here. The whole picture here is far, far greater. You know, a lot of us have taken this verse and we've ran with it. But we cannot read verse 10 without reading and understanding the verses surrounding it. Verses 8 and 9 have told us that God has just laid waste to the enemy. He brought complete desolation on the earth. I mean, there's dead bodies everywhere. There's blood everywhere. By God's word. And now in verse 10, God is speaking. So the first nine verses, it's the, it's the psalmist writing and singing. But now in verse 10, it is God speaking and telling everyone to be still and know that he is God. And the idea here is that we and everyone else, enemy or not, we are to stop striving, 
stop warring, and essentially, at the, at the risk of sounding blunt, hush our mouths and know that He is the sovereign God. While looking around at the battlefield and, and looking at the desolation that God has brought, we are to surrender and cease all striving and acknowledge that He is the one and true, victorious, sovereign God. We don't think about that when we, when we recite this verse, do we? You know, we don't think about, oh, Lord, you've just completely demolished the enemy, slaughtered them completely for me. I'm going to be still and know that I'm God. No, I mean, like I said, there are implications here that we are to just, you know, surrender and know that he is God. But what it is telling us here is that, and it brings so much power to this verse, that God is powerful and he is mighty to the point where he can defeat entire armies with just one word. We are to cease our striving and behold his wondrous, mighty works and acknowledge that he is God. God is telling us to behold the destruction that he has brought to the enemy and he will be exalted among the nations. And there's a quote here that says, The well-loved, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. And it's not so much an invitation to the quiet, contemplative life, but it is a call to surrender to your conqueror. There's a guy that interprets it this way, and he says, Lay down your arms, surrender, and acknowledge that I am the one and only victorious God. When we truly surrender and acknowledge that, there is just so much peace and comfort that comes with that. If there's one thing I want my kids to know, is that God is bigger and more powerful than anything in this world that they are afraid of. My son has nightmares sometimes, and I tell him all the time, when you have nightmares, come to me, and we'll pray to God together. So he's kind of, you know, he's in that habit now. Of when he wakes up terrified, he comes to me, and we, and we pray to Jesus, as he says. I want to drill it in his mind. Like, yes, come to me, and I'll pray with you, but you can run directly to God himself, and you can know that he is your refuge, and he is your strength. And he is more powerful and mighty than anything that you're scared of. In your life today, perhaps you're, perhaps you're wondering if God is even going to show up. You feel like not only has the enemy overtaken me, but he is constantly beating me down day after day after day. I want to urge you, to completely surrender and acknowledge the mighty power of God. Focus on the mighty power of God and see how he has brought desolations to the earth with just, a, with just a word and he has made wars cease and know that he has the power to do it again. And know that he is with you in the midst of that no matter how you feel. Our feelings don't dictate God's sovereignty. And our feelings don't dictate whether or not God's promises are going to come true. 
He promises to never leave us or forsake us. No matter how you are feeling right now, God promises to never leave you or forsake you. In the midst of your pain, God is present and He is your refuge. You lose your job, God is there and He is your refuge. You lose your house, God is there and He is your refuge. You lose your spouse, God is there and He is your refuge. Your child dies, God is there and He is your refuge. You lose a loved one, God is there and He is your refuge. You feel like giving up in any and at all right now. Know that God is there. He is your refuge. Maybe you're terrified with the way the world is going right now. I mean, there's crazy stuff going on. God is there, and He is our refuge. If you've heard nothing else I've said today, know this, that God is very much still on His throne today. He is very much active in the wars and the craziness going on around us. Though the darkness may seem to veil His face, we must rest on His unchanging grace. And although right now in this life we are going to endure suffering and pain and hardship, may we fix our gaze on Christ who has brought us victory ultimately and has brought us hope and refuge. May we know and rest that one day there will be no more. There will be no more wars. There will be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow. Ultimately, we will have victory one day. Our eternity is sealed in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One day we are promised an inheritance that is far greater than we could ever imagine. Believers, I want you to know this, that we, right here and now, can have assurance that God is who He says He is, and what He promises will come to pass. The Lord of hosts is with us, and He will be exalted among the nations. And to the unbeliever, I want to ask you this. Where is your hope? When things get hard, what do you run to? And let me ask you another follow-up. Does that thing you run to fill you up? Does it sustain you, or do you have to keep running back to it? And do you know right now, the God we just read about that is more powerful and more mighty than anything in all of creation, the sovereign God over everything, do you know that right now, if you are not a child of God, you are His enemy? Through your unrighteousness, you've rejected God time and time again. 
but God, who is gracious and merciful, has sent propitiation for your sins. He has sent his son to die the death that you deserved, that we all deserved, and bore our shame and bore our guilt. We don't have to be enemies with God anymore. We can be made right with the sovereign ruler over all creation. While you were still a sinner, while you were still an enemy of God, Christ died for you. He became your sin to bear the punishment and to bear the guilt and the shame that was rightfully ours. So that God can look upon you and so that he can look upon me, a sinner, and say, you are righteous. Know that before the beginning of time, God has ordained this moment right here, right now, for you to be in this place. If you were like me, God has been chasing you for quite some time. And deep down, you truly know it, but you're suppressing it. You're pushing it down because you like the way you're living right now. God has been chasing you. And right now, God is calling you to cease striving and surrender unto his mighty sovereign power. Do you feel him calling you? Do you hear him calling you? Would you just surrender your life to him? Church, I want us to be encouraged today that the God of Jacob is our fortress. He is a very present help. There is nothing at all that could take that away from us. Do you believe that God is more powerful and more mighty than anything in this world? Do you? Then why fear? He is our refuge. We literally have nothing to fear. I want you to walk out of here and, and be encouraged by that. And if you don't know him today, know that you can be made right with him right here and now by surrendering your life to him. There's not a magic potion. There's not a magic thing you just recite. Surrender your life to him right now. Repent and believe and acknowledge that he is God. The only way that you're going to be made right with him is through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth lived the life we couldn't live, obeyed the law that we could not obey, died the death that we deserved. But he didn't stay dead. He defeated death on our behalf. And now we can have eternal life. We surrender our lives to him. Church, even death can't hold us. <laughs> There's nothing to fear. If even death, one thing that is certain in this life, can't even hold us. There is nothing for us to fear. May you leave here encouraged. May you leave here bold, ready to spread the gospel with this dying world around us. Showing them that there is only one hope and one true refuge. 
and that is our mighty God. May you know for sure right now, may you have a blessed, blessed assurance that one day we will be with our Savior with no more sickness and no more pain and no more worries about wars, no more worries about anything. May you be encouraged today, church. Pray with me. God, you are mighty and you are powerful. You are above all things. You are the creator and you are the sustainer of all things. Lord, I pray for anyone in here who does not know you, Father. Lord, I pray that you open their eyes to their need of you. May you open their eyes to show them that they are dead in their sins. They are not just sick, but they are dead in their sins, and they need you. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ, Lord. May we know that. May we rest in that today. And may we know, Lord, that no matter what comes our way in this life, it is only temporary. Lord, you are preparing a place for your children. I pray that we may look forward to that, Lord. And I pray that the sufferings this life brings will only make us long for that day even more, Father. I pray that we can leave here bold and encouraged that there is nothing that can ultimately take us away from you, Father. You are our refuge. You are our fortress. You are our stronghold. May we rest in that today. In your precious name we pray, amen. We're going to take a time, that word Selah that we talked about, we're going to take a time now to pause and reflect on what the Lord has just shown us in his word. There's a prayer team in the back that I want to encourage you to take advantage of. Prayer is a powerful and just a great gift from God. That we can boldly come before his throne and pray to the God of the universe. We don't have to go to a priest anymore. You know, we don't have to do, make animal sacrifices. We can come directly to him wherever we're at. I want to encourage you to, to take advantage of that. If you need prayer or if you want to surrender your life to Christ, I pray that you do that. It will be the best decision you've ever made. So may we take time to pause and reflect and pray and just... Praise God for his mighty works and praise God for our salvation. Amen.